Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Hauk, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining me. We are going to be chatting with a really incredible woman in today's episode, and that is IFBB Pro Natalie Matthews. And Natalie, she's a vegan chef, also a cookbook author, and she's really just passionate about sharing her love of the vegan lifestyle with people online. She shares healthy vegan recipes and really helps motivate and inspire other people to live an active, healthy, and compassionate lifestyle. So if you're trying to check her out online, you can check her out pretty much everywhere at Fit Vegan Chef. And she's really on this incredible mission to break down the stereotypes associated with plant-based diets. So today's conversation is all about why she chose the vegan lifestyle, some of the benefits that are associated with it, her road to making her IFBB Pro debut and how she's going about that being a vegan. We talk about the different stereotypes associated with being vegan. So some of the things like how in the world do you get your protein and how are you able to make sure that you get all of your amino acids acids. So today's chat really is going to give you some great insights into a vegan lifestyle, give you some ideas to get to your protein intake, give you some high protein meals, high protein snacks. We break down a day of eating for Natalie so you guys can get some ideas in that department. And really, she's just this very sweet, genuine, authentic soul. So be sure to go check her out on Instagram at fitveganchef. Tell her that I sent you over there and I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. For people that maybe don't know who you are, are you able to just give us who is Natalie in, uh, or is it is it Natalie or Natalie? It's Natalie. It's just that I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, so people call me Natalie. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's why I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's Natalie. <laughs> okay, Natalie, fantastic. Well, yeah, tell us a little more about you. So me in a nutshell, I am Puerto Rican. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I actually grew up surfing in the island, and I grew up as a professional surfer. Actually, I did that for a little while. And then my husband, he got transferred to Puerto Rico at that time, and that's how we met. When he moved to, like, the island, that's how we kind of both fell into the vegan lifestyle together. And, you know, that transition, like, helped us both in to improve our health and just our lifestyle overall. And it was pretty amazing. George was battling with some severe um, health issues at the time. And I, as a supportive wife, I decided to, you know, support him in that journey and adopt a vegan lifestyle. I was already vegetarian for a while, but I didn't want to like go full vegan because I was like, oh my God, babe, I'm already so weird. You know, (laughs) I don't want to go full vegan, but I did it to support him. And I saw all the health benefits that he, you know, he got, he was about to go to his third sinus surgery and he no longer needed that after adopting a vegan lifestyle. So I decided to jump on the bandwagon and I lost 10 pounds. I improved my health. I no longer was battling with hypoglycemia, which was something that I battle with my whole life. And my surf career actually kind of took off at that point because I was feeling really good, you know, so I had more energy and I was just so inspired by my story and by my husband's story that I just knew I had to share my knowledge with the world. So I educated myself. I went to culinary school and did a lot of research on the lifestyle. And then a little after that, we both got transferred to Jacksonville, Florida. And then there I could no longer continue surfing. So I had a lot of sponsors drop me. And I decided to go into bodybuilding and kind of shed some of the stereotypes that people have when they think of veganism. And 
you know, I just had such a blast kind of like showcasing the power of a plant-based lifestyle that I just had to share it with my passion for, you know, cooking and working out and all of that. So I decided to start competing in bodybuilding and I, I'm a very competitive surfing um, person coming from a surf background. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to compete, I want to do it right. So I decided to, for a whole year, just, you know, eat and lift heavy before I ever stepped on stage. I didn't want to go straight into a cut and then be one of those girls that, you know, decided to go into bodybuilding and not really have any muscle and then do a cut and then not do well. So I really wanted to do well. So I did that for a whole year and it paid off because when I finally decided to step on stage in 2017, I placed really highly and I did the amateur Olympia, placed third, and then last year I was able to win my IFBB Pro card, which was very exciting. So that's kind of me like in a nutshell, long story short. <laughs> yeah, no, oh my goodness, there's so much I want to unpack there. but. First thing I want to, you you mentioned something in there, Natalie, that I maybe people know about or don't know about, but you're, you're talking about people saying that you can't build muscle and be vegan and be very competitive in the space of bodybuilding. So let's, let's talk about that. What have you been able to do in terms of breaking that stereotype and be able to be so successful with it that maybe other people are feeling as though that they just can't coexist, that, that veganism and bodybuilding just can't be two things that happen together? Um, I just think that people are not educated enough in the subject. And I think once they visually see people like me and like Nimai, who's another um, IFBB pro, uh, Tori Washington, he's another IFBB pro that's also vegan. And they're both actually born and raised vegan, which is insane. I think people just have very misconceptions and it's just based on what we were, a lot of culture goes into it, you know? So I think the way that I did it was I educated myself. I knew I have to educate myself that on the high protein options and all of that. So I took the time and I did a lot of studying and I was able to figure it out. And I learned very quickly that flexible dieting was the easiest way to approach the bodybuilding scene as a vegan. Um, it made it very easy. It made it very fun for me. And I just started journaling everything and showing it and sharing it and people were able to visually see it and then they were like, oh, okay, now I get it. You know, she just doesn't eat tofu all day. You know, she eats all this variety. I think people have so many misconceptions when they think of veganism, like it's just going to be salads or it's, you know, or you're just going to lose all this muscle, but it's, it's what you do. So I just picked high protein options and kind of build my macro ratios around that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let's just run through a typical day of eating, both in an off-season and an in-season. I know portions would shift, but perhaps there's some things that you can include in your off-season that you can't include in your in-season so that people get an idea of what are some of those high-protein options and what are some of those things that they might be able to integrate into their own diet if they want to give it a try too. So a typical day, and it's pretty similar in both off-season and during my prep. The only difference is that I eat more of those certain foods in the off-season. Or I'll add what I call more fun foods. <laughs> so I approach it with an 80-20 approach, which if you're not familiar, that is 80% whole foods, 20% maybe processed foods, condiments, things like that, that are more packaged. So for breakfast, I'll have protein oats. That's usually my go-to, and that's like a scoop of vegan protein with oatmeal, berries, maybe some PB2 powder, and I always, always add a piece of dark chocolate in there, always. That's like my fix. I love that. It's my favorite meal of the day. So if I ever get tired of oatmeal, which rarely happens, I'll just switch it out and I'll make protein pancakes with the same ingredients, or I'll make protein waffles with the same ingredients. So I'm very creative when it comes to just using the basics. 
Then for a snack, I'll probably have like rice cakes or edamame beans, which are dried soybeans. I can also pick lupini beans, which are a Mediterranean bean, and it's really high in protein, low in carbs, and high in fiber, which is very rare to find when you're getting a high protein option. And then for lunch, I like to make like bowls, like Buddha bowls or macro bowls, whatever you want to call them. And basically, the majority of my bowl is going to be a green. So I'll pick like spinach or um, romaine. Those are my top two favorite greens. So it'll probably be one of those two. And I'll pick a protein like a tofu or a seitan, which seitan is just made from vital wheat gluten, which is the protein found in the wheat berry. And you can make so much things with seitan. And I make a really delicious one homemade and it takes no time. And just one serving is 31 grams of protein and 11 grams of carbs. Very low in fat. I think it only has like one gram of fat. And then I'll pick like some tomatoes. I make sure to always pick like an abundance of colors, you know, because every single color represents a different vitamin and mineral. And then for fat, I'll probably pick either a cream cheese, like a vegan cream cheese that's made from almonds, or I'll pick a avocado and make a dressing out of that. So I'm very flexible and sometimes I'll probably do like an Asian inspired bowl or a Mexican inspired bowl. And then I'll probably go work out. And then after my workout, I'll either have, again, oatmeal, or if it's a low-carb day, I'll just have like a protein fluff or a protein shake or something, you know, with protein right after my workout. And then for dinner, I'll probably do the same thing as I did for lunch. But if I did, yeah, if I did like a Mexican-inspired bowl, I'll probably do a Asian or a Mediterranean inspired bowl. So I switch it up a lot. I'm not, I'm not very good at eating the same meals every day. I found that really, literally the flexible dieting lifestyle has worked so well for me. I'm a chef, so I like to have a lot of fun in the kitchen. So that's what I do. And then for dinner, I lately, I'm sorry, after dinner, I do like a little dessert or a little snack. And lately I've been really enjoying like a protein brownie that I make. And that's been my go-to. I like make a huge batch, keep those in the freezer and just have one serving every night. Mm, Amazing. Amazing. And I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast is like, oh my God, I want to give all of that a try. So I believe you have a cookbook, right? So I'm working on a cookbook currently. The first one that I had made that it's on my website, it's called Puerto Vegan. And that one was just made for basically recipes of my culture, of the Puerto Rican culture. I wanted to prove people that you can enjoy Puerto Rican food vegan, and I made it completely oil-free. It's not macro-friendly, but that's the book that is coming out hopefully soon this year. Um, I'm working on a very macro-friendly cookbook, all high-protein vegan recipes, so I'm really excited for that one. I bet. I bet. So you said that you're a chef. Does that look that look like you working in a restaurant or do you do that privately or how do you run your um, the chef component of what it is that you do? So I started off actually in Houston doing like a little meal prep business by myself and then that took off and I was like, okay, it was coming to be like a little bit impossible. You know, I was just a one woman show. So I decided, okay, how can I help more people? So I just started, like I said, documenting everything on my YouTube and on my Instagram. So I decided I'm just going to share the recipes for free. And so that way I can reach more people and help more people. So I went from a local little meal prep business to just online. And so far that's been amazing. And then I do cooking demos with the Fit Expo. So I go to all the fitness expos all over the U.S. And I educate people on how to cook high protein. And, yeah, I do little things like that. Mm-hmm. And I believe you also do some stage presentation coaching, correct? I do. I'm kind of all over the place. So That's cool. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a posing coach. And, I found, and that was kind of like – a hidden talent that I didn't know I was going to like fall in love with. I really love posing. I love posing on stage. I think I'm really good at it. I'm a good teacher. And I just fell in love with that process. And it's the most important thing, you know, like I feel like the judges don't see all your hard work behind the scenes. Like they don't see you working out or dieting or, you know, all those hours of cardio. They just see the posing. 
So for me, it was very important to like teach girls like you have to make posing part of your daily regimen, just like you're doing everything because usually girls put that in the back. So um, yeah, I started doing that and that took off. So I'm very excited. I do a lot of seminars. Um, I've done a couple in the East Coast. I did one recently in Houston. And hopefully later this year, I'll do one in the West Coast. Cool, cool, cool. That's so common, eh, that people put so much energy into everything except for posing. Um, And it's, it's disheartening, especially when you're at amateur shows and you see that girls' physiques are like, she could win it, she could win it, then you see her pose, and unfortunately, it can be that thing that um, doesn't really showcase what it is that you're really bringing to the table. Absolutely. I tell girls all the time, you know, worry about the things that you can control and never worry about who's coming or who's there. Because I've been in that position when I first started where I looked around and I saw this girl walking and I could see striated glutes. I was like, oh my gosh, she's super shredded. Best body I've ever seen. But then she gets on stage and doesn't know how to showcase that. And then I went on stage, not being the, you know, the most conditioned at that show. And I ended up winning. And I was like, oh my God, you know, because it's all about what you bring and how you present it. And Usually I'm not the biggest, but I will look like the biggest because I can fool you. It's all about the illusion that you do on stage, you know. So if you know how to pose and pose to show your strength and hide your flaws, you can really do a lot with that. And that's what I love to show. Like, do not get worked out about anybody else but yourself because I've been there. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That kind of leads into the next thing I talked, I wanted to talk about, and that's really like – advice that we can give to people that are trying to go down the same road as you, Natalie. So somebody who wants to become IFBB pro, they're listening to this episode and they're thinking to themselves, okay, what what's the advice that Natalie could give that would help support them better, whether they're competing for the first time or maybe are have done a few shows but are still trying to take themselves to that next level? Well, first of all, you definitely have to give yourself enough time. Give yourself enough time and put yourself in a good position to actually do a long prep. And by that, I mean, if you use me as an example, before I ever stepped on stage, I took a whole year off. And that might not necessarily apply to everybody, but I had no muscle. I just had like a background in surfing. I had good genetics and I was fit, but I didn't have any muscle. And I understood to be competitive at a muscle show. That's what you needed to do. So I put myself okay, I'm going to make this into a long-term goal. So for a whole year, I ate at a surplus and I built muscle. I lifted properly. I got in a training program that was a progressive overload training program where over time my strength was the focus, you know, because strength gains equals muscle gains. So I put myself in a very good position to start off a prep And when I started, you know, my calories were high, my cardio was very little. So all those variables made my first prep very enjoyable because I was using cardio and other things as tools. You know, I wasn't starting off doing 60 minutes of cardio straight from the bat, you know. So, yeah, definitely give yourself enough time. Be patient. Do not compare yourself to anybody because, again, we all have flaws and we all have strengths. And it's all about how you present those. And the third thing is just enjoy the process and have fun. Don't do it. You know, not everybody needs to get into bodybuilding to achieve their fitness goals. You know, it's not for everybody. It's a very, very draining and mentally draining sport. So you have to understand that and understand that you have to do it because you love it not because it's the cool thing to do. So understand that, understand your goals, and yeah, just have fun and enjoy the process because it's really, really cool to see how, you know, you're in charge of your own body and what it's capable of is just amazing. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, those are such beautiful things. Thanks for sharing, Natalie. Now, you're on this awesome road heading towards your pro debut. So what does the season look like for you Normally, people string a few shows together. So is that something that you're planning to do where you do a few pro shows or or are you planning to do one and then take a long off season or what are you planning? 
Well, I'm not going to leave all my secrets out, but I will share with you. Um, I am definitely doing multiple shows. I have picked out six tentative shows in a very short period amount of time. Um, because with the whole, I don't know if you know now, with the whole point system to qualify for the Olympia, you kind of have to pick shows and be a little bit strategic. Um, no longer by you winning a show, you know, automatically qualifies you for the Olympia. So you have to like kind of build up in the ranks. So I picked six tentative shows and the first one being The Clash in South Carolina, which is only about a little under five weeks out which I'm very excited about. And then right after that, I am planning on a second one back to back. And yeah, from there, I'm just going to evaluate how my judges feedback is coming. And I'm going to decide my third one based on that and just kind of play it by ear. Definitely after this year of competing, I am thinking about taking a long off season since I've been competing for three back-to-back years and I want to get back to that first starting point and I understand that to do that I have to be patient and I have to put myself give my body a little bit more of a break this time around so I'm excited to enjoy this season and give it my all so yeah cool cool and going into the first show how are you feeling about the way that prep has went and how your physique has changed over the the weeks that have just happened oh my god prep has been going really well this week actually i like hit a stall and it has maintained for a little bit but i decided you know I've learned for over the years to completely detach myself from the scale and just go by pictures sometimes because my pictures are looking really good, which makes me think my body composition has changed completely from my starting point. So I'm very excited with the package that I'm bringing because I am holding on to more muscle than I ever had before. Uh, I'm training smarter, not doing hit cardio this year, and I feel that has helped me a lot in just maintain my muscle through this cut and I'm just I think it feels almost like the first time I stepped on stage you know you have those jitters that you don't know how things are gonna go but you're just enjoying the ride and giving it 110 percent so I'm really just taking it day by day enjoying it and yeah seeing what happens obviously I'm training to win but I understand that that's my very first show nobody knows who I am and yeah, so I'm I'm really excited. I'm going into it with an open heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Now you say nobody knows who you are. So if somebody's listening and is like, oh, well, kind of feeling like maybe they don't understand that or maybe don't really understand the whole point system, let's just bring some clarity about when we do bodybuilding shows because it is a subjective sport people knowing who you are aka the judges and the organization is something that matters so let's just talk about what that needs to look like for the people that are maybe getting to the olympia so as a newbie pro like i just turned pro last year for the olympia qualifying system now you have to basically place top five to get points so you need to kind of like multiply you know do a lot of shows and try to place top five at each show so you can stack up points for the olympia now if you're a newbie i feel like even if you bring your best very rarely if you are somebody that they never seen before i might be wrong with this but that's just what i think um you know, when, when you see Angelica coming out, you know that she's coming. You're getting excited. You know, as a viewer, you're like, oh, my God, you know, Miss Bikini Olympia. So you put her – you can't take your eyes off of her, right? So when a new person comes, it's kind of like, okay, so she's just starting out. Let's see how she does. You don't know how they're going to place. So, yeah, um, you don't know how it's going to go. So I feel like when the judges have seen you a couple of times and they've seen you improve, I think that, you know, slowly they start looking for you. You know, they slowly start getting excited and, and things like that versus like if you're coming as a newbie, you kind of have to come in ready, you know, to make a splash. You know, you cannot come in conditioned. 
for your first pro show. So that's kind of how I'm uh, approaching it. And that's what I mean by like, nobody knows me yet. Like I'm a newbie pro. So hopefully I can make that splash this year and hopefully I can rank up some points for the Olympia. I'm really giving it my all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would the end goal then be to win the Olympia for you? Right now, my goal this year is just to qualify for it. I just want to be up there. So I'm taking uh, I'm taking baby steps, one thing at yeah. a time. Yeah, yeah, you know, And I want to be very realistic, too, with my goals. So I think a very realistic goal is to qualify, I'm, and that's all I want to do. I want to qualify and be on that stage this year. But if it doesn't happen this year, I know it will happen. It's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much power in just – trusting that I'm just going to do the next step in that direction, but also not getting so caught up in your mind that it needs to happen in a year from now or it needs to happen in three years from now. I feel like if we just get out of the way and just keep on our, like keep up with our grinding mentality, things will come into place. I feel like when we put all of that hard work in, it does come back. It just maybe doesn't come back exactly when you had anticipated originally. Exactly. Yeah, you kind of have, you know, yes, shoot for the stars, but you also want to make achievable goals, you know, also with your long term goals and short term goals. And that's why uh, a long term goal is definitely winning the Olympia short term goal would be just qualifying for it. So yeah, cool. Very, very cool. Now, I'm just going to swing on back to come back to talking about veganism. And I want to just swing on back for somebody who maybe just wants to, they don't know anything about it. And they're just kind of like considering maybe making the jump and and, um, making a plant-based diet, something that they're going to get started with. So first, let's just talk about the benefits of it. And then maybe some starting points of where they could get started, either maybe books that you read to help educate yourself, or maybe certain communities that they could reach out to to learn more any of those sorts of tools that somebody who's just getting started might find useful absolutely so basically if you want to get into the vegan lifestyle I definitely think that everybody should do their research I think the benefits are going to be very different based on the individual and their current background basically you know if they had a poor diet if they are trying to battle an illness or something like that so yeah for me veganism is like a lifestyle kind of thing I went into it for health reasons but stuck with it for the ethical side and everybody's reason is going to be different everybody's journey is going to be different I always you know when I educate people I am not a pushy vegan or anything like that so whatever if going vegan one to two, three times a week or one day out of the week is what makes it sustainable for you, I say go for it, you know, because just those little steps can just improve someone's well-being. It can help the planet. So little baby steps, just make it uh, sustainable for yourself and just educate yourself. And there's so many great resources. Um, One of my favorite ones, if you're into bodybuilding and want to get into the lifestyle, one of my favorite ones is my friend Danny from veganproteins.com. She has a really good book called Flexible Dieting for Vegans. And she breaks it down. She even has like a little macro calculator and all of that. And she breaks down a lot of the protein options and she puts like examples of meal plans and it really just helps a lot. There's also another book done by Robert Cheek and Vanessa Espinosa that is called Plant Based Muscle. And they also go into like their diet and their training and they share food diaries because again, sometimes we have to be more visual with people so they understand because when you grow up your whole life eating fish and just just like the standard bro meal, you know, just rice and fish or something like that, it's very hard to get from, away from that mentality. So when you see people like me sharing my food diaries, people are more open and say, okay, now I get it. So some of my favorite vegan proteins are bean pasta. There's so many amazing bean pastas out there that are made from lentils, chickpeas, soybeans. There's so many out there and they're very high in protein and you can even use them during prep. I know there's one that is made from black beans, super low in carb, 
And you can have so much fun with that. You can add vegetables and a sauce. And that's right there, a very high protein, low carb prep meal, you know, very easy. Another one is tofu. You can make so many things from tofu. And I have a YouTube channel where I have videos of six different ways of make tofu. I make dessert with tofu. I make savory dishes, protein mousses, so many different things. And then another one is lupini beans that I mentioned before. That's for the, I usually share that one a lot for people that are just afraid of soy, which they shouldn't be, and afraid of gluten or have a gluten intolerance. So that is like my go-to for that. And also it's a more whole food approach as well. The seitan, which I love, and TVP, which is texture vegetable protein, and you can hydrate it. And it comes in different little um, textures. So there's a kind of like a beefy crumble texture. There's a steak texture. So you can season it however you want, just like you would regular meat. Because if you kind of think about it, meat really doesn't have a, a flavor. You flavor it. You cook it. You put it all pretty. You you know season it with barbecue sauce and spices. So the same thing applies for vegan foods. You can literally have what you used to have before. Which brings me to my next tip, and it's what I usually say to everybody that wants to adopt a vegan lifestyle but they don't know how to start, is just veganize your favorite dishes. That's how I did it. Anything, anything that you used to have, you could have it vegan. And that's what made it fun for me. Like I used to love nachos, so I made vegan nachos. You know, I wanted pizza, I made vegan pizza. And right now, like I remember, well, before, people used to tell me, oh, the vegan lifestyle is just so limited. But now I eat more variety than I ever have before. I used to be a very picky eater. And now I, you know, I have tried everything, which, you know, it's it's so cool and rewarding. And, and you just have a lot of fun in the kitchen. I, I love it. I fell in love with the kitchen when I went vegan. And yeah, so there's so many resources and you can reach out on my Instagram or my YouTube channel where I share daily food diaries. So yeah, there's a lot of information out there. And there's also, um, gosh, one of my friends has a page that's called Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, which has amazing resources as well. Mm, amazing, amazing. And we'll be able to put all of that in the show notes so that people can go and check out all of that, fan or all of those fantastic resources. Thanks for sharing those, Natalie. Now, for people that are like getting started with this particular lifestyle, I've heard a debate that we don't need as much protein and that perhaps for vegans, the protein requirement should be less. So say closer to 100 grams versus 140 grams or, or something of that nature. Have you found that you've changed the amount of protein since going vegan or are you still hitting what a regular or typical uh, bodybuilding split would be for macros? So... I went vegan seven years ago, so I've only done prep as a vegan, so I eat more protein now than I ever have before. <laughs> um, before, I actually probably ate under 100 grams before I ever went vegan. I wasn't very good at hitting my protein at all, which is kind of funny. Um, but I honestly think, so I get a lot of questions saying, hey, how should I set up my vegan macros? And to be completely honest, guys, there's no such thing as vegan macros. You can follow the same principles that you do for a non-vegan athlete, you know? So I do, I feel like you just have to make it sustainable for yourself, but I do choose over the recommended amount just because A, I'm an athlete, so I do need a little bit more protein, and B, I actually enjoy protein sources because they keep me satiated, especially during a contest prep. That is just huge for me. I like to feel full and satisfied after each meal and protein takes a little longer to digest. So that's why I pick high protein options. But yeah, I do shoot over the recommended amount personally. But yeah, when my coach and I were sitting down picking my macro ratios, yeah, he basically went through the same principles that he would his non-vegan clients. So yeah, I, I wouldn't change it at all. And like I said, if anything, um, it's just about educating yourself on the protein, high protein vegan options. And once you figure that out, it's really easy to hit your protein goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, what about the debate that a vegan lifestyle doesn't provide you with all of the amino acids that you would be getting if you were to have meat in your diet? What are your thoughts on that? 
I think is not true personally. <laughs> like for example, tofu is a full, you know, it's a complete protein. And I think the most important thing is that people can't just look at their plate and just pick, for example, one protein option and just stick with it. I think it's very important for anybody to have variety in their diet. So when you have variety in your diet, you are getting the full amino acid profile. All plant-based foods have amino acids. All of them are very high in micro and micronutrients, which are, you know, essential. So I feel like people just need to focus on eating a variety, and then they don't have to worry about those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about supplementation to help out maybe some of the things that you might not be able to get? as well like for example um using a branch chain amino acid versus not using a branch chain amino acid as a vegan um i think there's so there's vegan branch chain aminos i don't know if anybody knows but if your uh, bcaas is not certified vegan the source could be from duck feathers or human hair so for me that's a little gross so even as a non-vegan i feel like people shouldn't know that and um yeah, so I always pick a vegan branch chain aminos. I have two scoops a day, and that's, I feel like it just helps out with recovery, especially especially as an athlete and all, you know, I put my body through a lot, so I do take it. I feel like people should supplement B12, and again, it goes for vegans and non-vegans, anybody, because um, basically B12 comes from the soil, and the people that are eating animals – they're eating the B12 that the animal's consuming, correct? So why not get it straight from the source, in my opinion, and just skip the middleman? So I feel like a lot of people should just um, supplement B12. I do take um, a vegan source of omegas. That is an algae base. And what else? I do take creatine because I do feel creatine might be the only thing that vegans cannot get because it only comes from meat. So um creatine monohydrate and most 99% of creatines are vegan because they're made in a lab. So yeah, those are my go-to supplements and protein powders. I honestly use them as a convenient source of protein. You know, I rather eat my protein versus drink it. So that's why I usually just put it in my oats or I make protein pancakes and things like that. But yeah, I think those are my go-to supplements and I think that they are for pretty much anybody. Nice, nice. Those are, uh, yeah, those are fantastic. Now, is there anything additional that you take throughout a contest prep that's different than maybe when you're in an off-season as an athlete? I keep everything the same. I don't even like change anything going into peak week. I think it's so important to not like throw any variables at the end. So yeah, I keep my creatine all the way through my contest prep. The only thing I add is ashwagandha, which is like a natural hormone balancer and it's a herb and it helps with sleep and it's just amazing. So I added like through the end of my prep just so it helps me, you know, when I'm getting really low body fat and sleep is not, you know, optimal. I feel mm-hmm. like that helps me a lot and, and helps me just calm down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, the next thing I wanted to ask you about there, Natalie, is you mentioned at the beginning of today's chat that you're going to be relocating to California with the hubby. So yep. how do you think prep influences relate your relationship with your husband or do you feel as though it's about the same I there's 50 50 to be completely honest I feel like he's just so supported I I got really lucky with George he's so supported he really wants me to go above and beyond with this because he knows how much it means to me and he always says that he feels kind of guilty removing me from Puerto Rico because I had to leave surfing behind so I think he's like always you know he's cheering for me big time with the bodybuilding so I got really lucky with George so he's very patient when I get the hangries because that happens especially now to the last stretch of prep, this is when, you know, you're kind of grinding through every day, basically. Every day hurts. Um, He's just been really patient with me and and just a support system, amazing support system. Uh, But we're very honest with each other, and and I'm very vocal with him, you know, like, hey, babe, like, today I'm not feeling it like I need 
I need this from you. Um, and I think just being honest and open with your significant other is really important. And before I started this prep, I ha- I sat down with him and I was like, hey, are you sure you want me to do this this year? Because I really want to go for it, but I know it's really selfish on my part because, you know, we don't get to go out on date nights as often or we don't get to go on a vacation as often. Every single traveling is going to be for me and my shows. So it was a conversation at the beginning that we had also monetarily, you know, you kind of have to put that also in play and, and see if your budget allows you to do it. So we had all these conversations at the beginning of the year and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm ready to support you on the stream. Let's do it. And I think had I not had that conversation with him at the beginning, then it wouldn't have probably been as successful if it, as it's been. But yeah, if you're somebody that has a significant other, you just need to voice all these things out before you start a, a contest prep. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes too, the first show is maybe a little bit of a shocker if it's an industry that your partner isn't necessarily familiar with. But as you do more shows and have more seasons, you know that before things get going to have those sorts of conversations to sit down and realize how much it's going to have an impact on the relationship and how it's going to influence your family. But I know a lot of times for a first-time competitor – Maybe the boyfriend or the husband just is like, oh my goodness, what is this thing that you're doing? And it's really, it really can turn your world upside down, especially if your relationship is used to existing and functioning in a certain way and it's no longer functioning in that particular way um, for a temporary period of time. So I think that conversation component is so, so important. And I think even more people talking about it is just something I'm really passionate about sharing and talking about um I've had a couple guests uh on I've done some roundtable discussions about it because I just think this whole industry yes there's a lot of it on social media but there's not enough reality surrounding the sport I think out there I think there a lot of people glamorize it and make it seem like it's a sport that's sunshine and roses and I I believe as much as I love it and I I think competing is fantastic I think that more people need to know about the other components that exist within the space of bodybuilding and how that can really influence your relationships absolutely I actually had a conversation with George because I've been documenting my preps for the last three years and I was like telling him babe on season three which is this year I was like I want to document it and I feel like looking back at my old ones, I was only showcasing the highlights and it wasn't me trying to hide anything. It's just me with this athlete mentality, just not wanting to complain, just going and grinding and just getting it done. But I was like, you know, it's important because a lot of the girls that were reaching out to me, they were like, why it is that you're having a blast all the time and I'm not. And I'm like, oh no, honey, this is this is how it is. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not doing a good job showcasing it. And I don't want to glamorize it. So this year, I feel like I've done a really good job just unveiling everything and kind of like turning on the camera when I wake up, if I'm not feeling it, when I miss PRs, when I'm just feeling like death, because (laughs) you hit a wall at the very end, you just get to a point and we all go through it. You know, we all go through it. And it's just it's kind of been really awesome and the feedback that I've been getting from people saying like, thank you so much for just being real and letting me know what to expect now. Cause now when I, when it happens, I know it's okay. And so, yeah, I definitely think it's not, I feel like there's definitely people that glamorize it, but I don't think it's intentionally. I think it's because, you know, we're in this athlete mindset that we just don't want to complain. We just mm-hmm. want to like, get it done. But I do agree with you. Absolutely. It just needs to be talked about more because it's not for everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like this will help so many people, especially when they get to these stalls, because weight loss is not linear. And I get through so many stalls and I every week I've been doing like check ins and like filming it on YouTube. And I'm like, you know, this week we hit a stall and this week it went up and it went down. And it just it's been kind of like cool to look back this year and be like, okay, I'm showing everything now. It's literally my diary series Mm now. So Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of this year's um, series. So yeah, um, I definitely agree with you 110%. We just need to talk about it more. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll be sure to put the link for the YouTube in there because I think it's so important when we are doing that documentation that people check it out and see that the real journey of what that's like. I, I had an interesting experience through my first prep of last year where I'm a mom and I have uh, I have a three year old and it was he's uh, he's a holy how do I describe this like just at the stage of like toy bombs after toy bombs every day it's like you clean up the toys and then all of a sudden there's a toy bomb so it was like there was this set of Lego and I kept on putting it away like right at the very beginning and I had a really long prep it was like nine months so the beginning I was like putting the toys away taking my progress photos and like the pictures didn't have these toys then I got this to this point in prep where I was like these toys are gonna be there I'm just leaving it and then it was so interesting because people kept on commenting on my progress, but then also being like, and I love that you still have the toys in there every single week. And there's toys all over the place because I can just tell that you're a mom who is, you're going about your grind, you're doing your thing, but you're also a mom and you got, and you got this going on. So I think the more often we can just pull back the curtains and show everything as being exactly what it is, not totally put together, not totally perfect all the time, just gives a lot of other people permission to, yes, pursue their goals, but also realize that sometimes that means some other parts of our life are moving down the priority list or things are just, they're just shifting and and that is all okay. I don't think we need to always have something that looks perfectly curated on Instagram. Absolutely. I completely agreed. It's funny that you mentioned that because I always think like the best content that I provide is the one that I did not plan for or that wasn't the best. Like, for example, like this week, the last episode, I kind of like by mistake prep brain. I'm sure you've been there. I completely messed up the camera settings. So instead of being like a wide screen, my <laughs> my whole series was filmed on like a little square box, super pixelated. It was basically shooting for Instagram, but I needed it for YouTube. And my husband is the one that's doing the editing. And he's like, oh, Natalie, how, how are you going to post this? I'm like, I don't care. Just post it. I mean, I was like brained it. What do you want? Like, yeah. I posted it and everybody actually loved it and I'm like oh my god this is probably the worst footage I have ever ever presented and you know but it is what it is it happens and another one was um I just finished my diet break I took a a diet break like last week which was very nerve-wracking because when your coach says hey we're taking a diet break six weeks out it's like oh my god are you crazy like we're adding food six weeks out but my body desperately needed it because I hit a stall like I mentioned before and I kind of needed that little mental break to keep grinding through the next five weeks and he gives me a call in the middle of the diet break my coach and he's like what are you doing and I'm like I'm doing the laundry I have all this energy. I can finally do the laundry. So it's little things like that that we, like you said, you put in the priority list and the priority list way down. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> in that grind mode, you don't have energy to even do the laundry, so you just leave it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, like prep brain trying to drop my child off for like preschool and daycare, and I would always oh. be the mom who forgot like. Oh. I forgot everything and I'm like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I forgot this or forgot that and it's so interesting because that's not my personality at all normally I'm like okay yeah organized we have our stuff put together and it's just like all you can do in the moment is just be like I'm just gonna laugh at myself because this is the reality of what I'm going through and I'm not going to try to feel bad and be like oh, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Or why do you keep messing up? It's like, no, like your body is really struggling right now. It makes sense that maybe your brain isn't functioning in the same way that it normally would. And that's okay. I feel as though when we can just laugh at ourselves and be in that like, okay, it's a real thing. Prep brain is a real thing. A lot of people go through it, right? So I feel as though just laughing at ourselves is such a powerful tool. I get it so badly. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I, yeah, I get prep brain to the max and it's real bad. Like my husband will be talking to me and sometimes I like days off and I'm like, sorry, honey, it literally just went one ear in and one ear out. I'm like, yeah, repeat that again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome. Good stuff. Well, thanks for sharing all that, Natalie. We're just going to wrap things up with where can people find you if they want to connect with you online? So I'm pretty much everywhere. Natalie Matthews at Fit Vegan Chef on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. And I do have a... I do have a website that is fitveganchef.com where you can find free recipes. I post a lot of free resources all the time. So yeah, if you want to continue on the conversation over there, make sure to follow me in my social media platforms. Cool. Sounds good. And we just wrap things up with the one question the same way every episode. And that is, Natalie, how would you like to be remembered? I want to be remembered for having fun and inspiring people to adopt a more compassionate lifestyle. Amazing. Well, good luck at your show. I will certainly be following along, babe. And until next time, maybe we'll cross paths at uh, at an expo, but hope all goes well with your move. And thanks for taking the time to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. You're welcome. Ciao, babe. Bye-bye. And there we go. That's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks again for joining me. Now, if there is somebody special that you follow online that you really want me to get on as a guest, somebody that maybe talks about a specific field that you want to learn more about or somebody that you really look up to, feel free to send me an email. I would absolutely love to connect with the people that you guys are interested in connecting with. So my email is haukangela at gmail.com. That's hauk spelled H-A-U-C-K. And perhaps you are an expert or you have a message to share or you have something inspiring that you really want to get out there feel free to reach out to me guys we're always looking for guests always looking for experts I absolutely love these conversations I love talking about lots of different topics and really going to that deeper level in terms of helping you guys cultivate a fulfilling happy life so other than that have a fantastic week I will catch you next time ciao for now Guys, I'm on a really big mission here and I want to transform 1 million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love. Ange.